Hey, this is Dan Savage, and uh, I'm recording a Savage Love podcast for you live, live, live at uh, a Thanksgiving Thanksgiving dinner party where I've had a few drinks because uh, you can operate a sex advice column under the influence, as I have many times in Savage Love, so I assume you can operate a sex advice column podcast under the influence as well. So let's get to the uh, calls, shall we? Hey, Dan. My name's Dan. I'm a 29-year-old straight male. Long-time reader and fan. Um, hey, I have a vocabulary question. When did it become uncool or unacceptable, or is it, to use the word queer in reference to gays? I was having a conversation with my gay friend the other day and used the word, and he kind of stopped me and sort of laughed nervously. And Anyways, I was given a pretty distinct impression that it's not some people say. So tell me what's that all about. Thanks. It's totally cool for you to use the word queer in reference to the gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgendered community as a whole. I don't think you'd call an individual fag or dyke queer, because uh, that's sort of a pejorative use. But it's accepted now to use it to mean all of us, all of us crazy sexual minorities, including uh, some heterosexual sexual minorities. Uh, there's a lot of queer-identified BDSMers out there who are straight, really. Uh, and, and, you know, the gays and lesbians decided 10, 15 years ago that we were going to reclaim hate words, and we decided to start using queer in reference to sort of queer pride parades, queer film festivals. Uh, the pride parade in one year in San Francisco was called the Year of the Queer. Uh, it has totally been reclaimed, and it's totally commonly used by gays and lesbians to refer to our community and uh, you are free to use it, too. Intent makes the hate word a hate word, not the arrangement of letters. Uh, if your uh, faggoty friend has a problem with you using the word queer, tell him he needs to pick up some queer theory books and, and read them and, and get up to speed on what the homos have all been doing while he's been too busy getting his panties in a bunch uh, about uh, his heterosexual friend's language. But don't take my word for it. We're going to bring in a second opinion. Hey, Schmader. Yes. Come here. Come here. You have to talk really close to the mic. It's a podcast. It's not a radio studio. Can straight people use the word queer in reference to gays and lesbians and the GLBT, XY, BLTK community? I guess. I mean, well, you're a fag. Come on. No, I would. It, you're everything you said is right about um, it, the intent makes the offense, and that it's more than just uh, gay people are queers. That you know, it's kinky straight people. I think everyone who likes who thinks Dane Cook is funny is a queer. <laughs> well, there you have it. That was our second opinion. We have a lot of second opinions in this uh, Thanksgiving special podcast. Uh, and moving on, question number two. Here we go. Let's get this out of the way. I want to drink some more. Hi, Dan. Uh, my boyfriend and I were recently diagnosed with genital warts. And I know you probably answered a lot of questions about this one, but I think people should really hear more about it because it's really, really common. And they say 50 to 60% of people in the U.S. have it. But I don't think a lot of people know um, that they should be more careful and all that stuff. But also, we're looking at what we should do about it. And my doctor wants to, like, burn and do some, like, uh, cryogenic freezing techniques. And his doctor says uh, maybe, like, just a cream or something. And I know we're not going to get rid of it, but I want to know what we can do to make it the least uh, pain in the ass or as it would be vagina and penis <laughs> possible. Um, so I was wondering what your take on it is and if you have any advice and to get the word out that people should be careful because it is not a cool thing to have. <laughs> Thanks. Genital warts. Bummer. But 
it, it, it has a reputation for being a bigger bummer than I think it actually is. Of course, for some unlucky people, a very, very small minority of the people infected, genital warts in women can lead to cervical cancer and death, and it's a very huge deal. There is a vaccine now that if you want to raise awareness about genital warts, we should absolutely talk about the vaccine that present, prevents a number of the most uh, dangerous strains of uh, HPV, which is the virus that causes genital warts, and everybody should go out there and get vaccinated because uh, not as uh, few people, as you say, are, already have genital warts, but up to 80% of all people uh, who are sexually active have been exposed to genital warts. Uh, and in that way, it's kind of not a big deal, even though it kills 4,000 people a year, and even though we should all run out and get the vaccine and be as careful as possible. Because if you're going to say, you know, be careful, avoid genital warts, that means you're never going to be sexually active with anybody, because most people who have genital warts or have been exposed to genital warts or carriers of the virus don't know and show no symptoms. So how are you supposed to be careful about that besides uh, putting yourself in some cast iron panties and never taking them off? What you have to do is watch out for symptoms and get treated, when you have them, when they present themselves, and also not be a paranoid freak about it, because in most cases, uh, you know, genital warts ain't, ain't HIV, and it ain't uh, herpes, as many people thought it was once upon a time. Uh, the body seems to shed the virus after a while, and if you're non-symptomatic for many years, you uh, may not even have it anymore. So you and your boyfriend should get treated, and then you should uh, wait a bit and stay treated and keep an eye on your... Uh, inner works, keep an eye on your plumbing, keep the doctor up there with the periscope or however it is they look at women's inner bits, and uh, blah, blah, blah. But don't take my word for it, because I'm not a doctor or anything. I'm just a jackass who had too much to drink uh, and decided to record a podcast at a Thanksgiving dinner party, and I'm annoying everyone around me, um, including Dr. Barack Gaster, one of Savage Love's resident uh, guest experts, um, who, you know, you'd think I'd go out there and, you know... Uh, Sandwich Love is really just me and a bunch of my friends putting people on. So uh, Brock and I, of course, are uh, at a Thanksgiving dinner party together, just coincidentally. Um, and uh, he has a few words to say about genital warts because I, I believe he collects them. Dan, you don't need me. I can't believe how much you know about medicine. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, everything that Dan said is right. And, you know, like I think what it really comes down to is you're worried about what's the best way to treat your warts. And the bottom line is that there's lots of good ways to treat warts. None of them are the perfect way, but they all work about equally well. And so it's going to come down to somewhat like what your insurance is. Because to go in for the cryotherapy where they kind of freeze it off with liquid nitrogen – the, the bottom line with that is that it just takes lots of return visits to the doctor. And so if your insurance is going to cover those return visits well, then that's probably like a good and effective uh, treatment for you. Um, but if it, you, you end up paying like a big copay for every one of those visits, then probably the prescription-only um, uh, cream that they put on is probably going to be cheaper in the long run. But they work equally well. And um, But it's definitely important to get those treated. Also important to know that those kinds of – that the virus that causes those kind of warts are actually the ones that don't cause cervical cancer. And so don't worry too much, but definitely get pap smears and – wear condoms, and get treated. And uh, I have a follow-up question, Dr. Brock. Happy Thanksgiving, Dan. No, no, a follow-up question. So if you have, uh, if you're a woman and you have genital warts, they could be internal, correct? Yes, they could. So how the hell do you apply a cream internally without, like, a, I don't know, a spackle gun or something? Right, so you're not treat the, the, the ones that are way up internal that cause cervical cancer don't necessarily need to be treated with sort of, with uh, freezing therapy or cream, um, but it's the ones that are external that are unsightly, and you definitely do want to treat. 
Take Dr. Brock's advice and mine if you're uh, feeling lucky, punk. All right, let's go on to the next question. Hello, Dan. Hi. Um, you're not going to believe this, but I'm calling all the way from Nigeria in Africa. Uh, yes, I read your column every week, and um, um, I listen. That's why I listen to the podcast. Now, my question is about fisting. I really, really don't get it. I mean, you say it's not dangerous, but the entire concept seems dangerous to me. I mean, vaginal or anal, I mean, it seems really, really dangerous. And um, if you're a woman and you indulge in vaginal fisting, doesn't it ruin your chances later on of uh, remaining, you know, tight for your husband or your boyfriend or something? I mean, it seems to me like it's just a destructive thing to do. So could you explain to me, again, if it's dangerous? If it, if it isn't dangerous, how come it isn't dangerous? Because someone putting their entire arm in you seems to me um, beyond what the human body was actually constructed for. Yes, I know babies come out of there, but that's the other way around. And it's not, they, don't, they don't come out every day or every week. I mean, it's once in a while for a limited number of times in your life. So, I mean... How safe is this? How possible is this? And don't get ruining you later on for your husband. Thank you. Um, I'll be grateful if you answer this. And yeah, hi from Nigeria again in Africa. Fisting, is it dangerous? You would think, re- reading newspapers, that uh, folks in Nigeria have more pressing concerns. Um, not making fun of the political situation in Nigeria, but every time I hear about Nigeria in the news, it sounds pretty dire. But, you know, people can't just think about politics and danger and war and uh, oppressed peoples and oil companies raping their nation all the time. Occasionally you have to turn your mind to fisting. Um, is fisting dangerous? Uh, yes. Is it junior varsity sex act? No. It's strictly varsity level sex act. Uh, it's dangerous if you do it wrong. It's dangerous if you do it without tons of lube and tons of preparation. You know, people say when they joke about fisting, and I say when I joke about fisting, that, you know, you put your whole arm in somebody, and you really don't. You put, like, your hand, your wrist, maybe a little bit of your forearm into somebody. Uh, but, you know, you have to go super slow. You have to really take your time. But you're right. You know, people who fist a lot, anally or vaginally, they tend to be get a little stretched out. Um, you know, one to, 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 to become sort of a regular fister, a regular fisty, you have to really learn how to relax those muscles, uh, and certain ones of them get stretched out. Does that mean you're going to be incontinent for the rest of your life? No. Uh, with anal fisting, it means you'll probably never be constipated ever again, but you can certainly uh, still decide for yourself when and where you take a dump. Um, with vaginal fisting, you know, is it going to, are you going to be as tight as you were before you took up recreational fisting? Absolutely not. You're going to be a little looser, but some people like that. You know, and what's in it for people? Uh, what turns people? some people on about it? And I'm not a fishing, f- fisting partisan. Uh, I actually don't do it um, and think it's a bit crazy. And the videos I've seen of it uh, are kind of nauseating. But um, for folks who are into it, you know, people look at it who aren't into it and go, oh, it seems so violent. Oh, it seems so degrading. And, yeah, it does, both those things, which is actually kind of the point for some people. It's kind of the turn on for some people. Um, some people like to be, feel really filled up. Some people like to feel really controlled. Some people like the sort of violent imagery involved because, you know, it spins their cranks. And what can you do? You know, on the outside, you, me here in Seattle, you there in Nigeria, we look and we go, wow, you know, not our thing and don't quite get it. But 
uh, those people out there who want to do it, who do get it, who turns them on, they need to know how to do it right, which is why I talk about it in Savage Love. Um, and there's a lot, you know, you do it right by using tons of lube, tons of time. You don't put your hand in formed as a fist. You make your hand as narrow as possible and get it in and then form a fist once you're inside. Uh, most people who want to be fisted can't be fisted the first time they try. Uh, you really gotta, you really gotta wanna, and you really gotta work, and you really gotta take your time. And like I said, it's varsity level, uh, kink, not junior varsity, uh, certainly not intramural. Um, and it's also the sort of thing that you need to do a lot of reading about before you do it, and you should do it with somebody who knows what they're doing. You should do it with someone who's fisted a bunch of folks who've survived. You want to find somebody who's done a lot of fisting and uh, has a lot of exes who are still around to testify to their skills, uh, bedside technique, uh, compassion, and, uh, you know, 50-gallon drums of lube by the side of the bed. Anyway, such a fun Thanksgiving topic. All my best to you and all the rest of the folks in Nigeria. And uh, good. Uh, screw the oil companies. Thank you. Hi, I have a similar problem as the Minneapolis caller. Um, I need intense and very specific quote stimulation to get off. Uh, I've never gotten off um, oral sex. Well, I have once from oral sex, but um, that was only once. And I even need to be in a very specific position lying on my back. Um, and I was wondering if there was any method like you referenced um, to that caller of untraining for women um, or if there's a shit out of luck if they train themselves so narrowly through masturbation. Um, thank you very much. We had to retreat to another room. We were trying to do this whole podcast from the Thanksgiving dinner table, but answering questions about fisting and genital warts in a loud enough voice for the microphone to pick it up in front of our host's parents was kind of making even me feel a little uh, filthy and ashamed about what I do for a living. So it's a little quieter now, and we can handle your intense clit-stim question in a more professional manner. Um, here's, uh, here's the deal. Uh, the advice for women is a little different than the advice for men. Uh, there are some women, because of the sort of biology and logistics of the clitoris, who de- do need intense uh, stimulation in order to climax and it can be, you know, with guys who need, like, the death grip to climax, uh, usually that's about training and about uh, becoming habituated to one masturbatory technique and really, like, becoming ingrained, that becoming ingrained, and the penis being trained to respond only to that, and basically having calluses beat into it. Uh, with with the clit, uh, you know, people talk about the little man in the in the rowboat. It's actually the top of the little man's hat. I like to say there's a whole lot of clitoral tissue that is internal that anchors that little tip of the clit uh, that's exposed uh, to the woman's body. Some women find, uh, and that stuff is actually called the shaft of the clit, even though it's all buried inside. Uh, some women find that they need stimulation that really nails uh, more of their clitoral tissue uh, than just uh, what's exposed. And some women can get that from vaginal intercourse. Some women need sort of the deep uh, sensations that are, that are more intense that only a vibrator can provide. Uh, you can learn to come in different positions. You can learn to come uh, off your back uh, if you work on that. But you may not ever be able to overcome uh, needing a vibrator to get you over the top um, or whatever it is you're using to give you that intense stimulation. And you just need to accept that and incorporate whatever it is that gets you over the top into your sex life with your partners uh, and not be ashamed of it and not feel like it's a defect. It's really common. A lot of women 
um, have that same, uh, I don't want to call it a problem, but a lot of women have very similar sexual response patterns. Let's call it that. Uh, similar to yours, and, and you should accept them. Work on different positions. Work on a lot more masturbation. You can, you know, embrace the intense stimulation that you need, and then try to, like, pull back a little bit. You can maybe train yourself a little bit for to be a little less intense, to really get into the groove and get, you know, and pull back on the sensations. You know, a lot of people, when they're young and they masturbate, uh, masturbate furtively and in a panic and in a hurry because they're afraid mom and dad are going to hear because most of us masturbate and learn to masturbate and have our first orgasms uh, in mom and dad's house and you know we don't want them to know uh, and we you know we regard uh, speed as sort of a virtue so we can get it over with before we get caught before the siblings burst in before mom and dad wake up or whatever uh, before they realize you're doing it in the back seat of the car or wherever you're doing it um, and, and so sometimes people will mistake uh, We'll, we'll need to work on that. We'll need to, like, work on a more relaxed, masturbatory routine uh, and spend more time and still need the same intensity, uh, but need to, like, take a deep breath and really ride it and really, like, masturbate for a very good long time. And you may find your first orgasm, you need something intense, and maybe your second or third orgasm if you really take some time and explore and... Uh, uh, not feel rushed. Maybe your second or third, the the, the the intensity doesn't have to be quite as strong. But uh, for a lot of women, the intensity has to be something more than just uh, some guy grinding his crotch against yours can provide. Uh, and if you're one of those women, you need to figure that out, and then you need to accept it and work with it and love it and uh, make sure that your bed is close to an outlet. Good luck. Hi, Dan Savage. This is a uh, caller from Montreal, and I I have a question for you this evening. Um, I've heard in a number of different contexts of a practice of sticking small, sharp objects up the urethra as a method of masturbation. And I, I'm just a little curious as to perhaps the, the exact mechanics and or popularity of this practice, and I was wondering if perhaps uh, you could uh, shed some uh, light on this rather intriguing method. Thanks very much. Ugh, I just ate. Uh, and this makes me nauseous uh, to think about or discuss even when I'm, uh, I don't have a stomach full of uh, heavy uh, high-fat content Thanksgiving chow. But, and I'm glad we're away from the, the grandparents and kids uh, so we can talk about sounding, uh, which is what it's called, S-O-U-N-D-I-N-G. Google it uh, and be appalled. You'll find pictures, you'll find diagrams, you'll find fact sheets, um, they're not sharp objects. They are long, thin, smooth, uh, hard metal, usually pointy things um, that are not sharp. Uh, and certain men enjoy uh, treating their urethra like, uh, I guess, the world's skinniest vaginal canal. Uh, what's in it for them? Well, a couple of things. And women uh, have been known to, to engage in sounding, too. So it's not just the dudes. But what's in it for the guys who are into it? Well, I think it's partly, it's mostly gay guys who are into it. <laughs> Weird, huh? Uh, I think a large part of it has to do with uh, transforming the male genitals into uh, genitals that receive, into genitals that can be penetrated, uh, and the sort of head trip uh, of, uh, you know, taking your male genitalia and making them into really, uh, or taking on the role of female genitalia, which is, you know, traditionally to be penetrated. And, um, oh, they're going for a walk. The hosts are going for a walk, so we're just going to keep doing this. <laughs> You're going for a walk? Uh, no, I'm recording a podcast. <laughs> About sounding. Uh, that that was my friend Tim. He actually uh, can demonstrate sounding when he gets back from his walk. 
Um, where were we? Oh, you know, it, you can make a dick into a into a vagina, uh, sort of psychologically. That's what's in it for a lot of the the guys who do it. Also, um, if you can sound deeply enough, um, you can reach uh, along. You know, the the prostate gland, which a lot of guys enjoy having stimulated, is uh, up there around the urethra somewhere. This is, you know, earlier we were talking about fisting being a varsity level sex act, not a junior vars, and not intramural. Um, Sounding really is, you know, the pro league's sex act. It's way beyond varsity. Um, it's very dangerous. Uh, you can really do permanent damage to urethra. You can you can develop scar tissue that makes uh, urination painful for the rest of your life. Um, I know people who've sounded and wound up in emergency rooms with tears internally that they had to have surgery to repair, which meant having their uh, taints cut open all the way up and down their urethra, down their dicks. Um uh, to do the repairs, and then being in a whole lot of pain for a very long time, unable to sit, unable to shit, unable to piss, uh, without excruciating pain. So I, I don't recommend sounding. You know, there are certain sex acts that can be done, but just because they can be done doesn't mean it's necessarily wise to do them. I think sounding is something that some people have a kind of a compulsion uh, around doing, and more power to them if they can figure out how to do it without killing themselves or each other. Uh, but I wouldn't recommend it. But, you know, getting back to your question, not a sharp object, a smooth object. Google it if you must. Um, you can get videos of it. Some guys have stretched out their urethras so far. They can get uh, skinny uh, vibrators that were meant for vaginal intercourse into their urethras, into their penises, much the same way you see people who've stretched out their earlobes into great big floppy, horrible things. There are guys who stretched out their urethras into great big floppy, horrible things. Um Body modification, it's called by the kids who engage in it. And if it floats your boat, it floats your boat. Uh, but uh, I have to go throw up now or go for a walk now. That's what they just came in here to invite me to do. But one more question, and then we'll wrap up this very special, wholesome Thanksgiving dinner version, Thanksgiving dinner broadcast, podcast of uh, Savage Love. One more, you know, you know what? Let's talk about fucking dolphins. Let's just, like, end on a high note, shall we? I did. Um, I'm just calling in response to the uh, podcast, your most recent one, where you talked about um, fucking dolphins. And I don't know how I know this, but um, I, um, I wrote on like a website somewhere. I don't know why I know this. That's what I should have said. But um, apparently it can be really dangerous. Um, like, dolphins' penises apparently are huge and like shaped like an S. And... Yeah, really not made for people's vaginas or anuses, obviously. But um, I'm also told that if, like, when the well, like when the um, dolphin climaxes, that they do so with such a force that it can be like really, really dangerous. Like, there's tons and tons of pressure, and apparently, their dolphin even just you know shoots out of there like a rocket and can really harm someone. Hopefully, you find that useful, and have a good Thanksgiving. Jesus, if Thanksgiving we did uh, fist fucking and sounding and genital warts and now fucking dolphins with S-shaped penises who could blast your ass off. I don't know what we're going to do on Easter. We're going to have to do, like, necrophilia and eating shit. Uh, how are we going to top this show, um, this podcast? Uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I certainly don't recommend fucking dolphins. I'm kind of uh, on the record uh, frequently as being opposed to bestiality. Uh, we had a case here in Washington State where I live where a guy uh, thought it would be a good idea to let a horse fuck him in the ass, and he got fucked to death. Literally, uh, perforated colon, died uh, with a horse's dick in his ass, and 
you know, that man has a family that's going to be hard for them to, to live down. Um, and I think a similar fate might befall someone who's stupid enough to try to have sex with a dolphin. Uh, and, you know, a dolphin has an S-shaped dick, and, you know, we have it now secondhand uh, here, and, and rumors, and somebody read it somewhere, so it's got to be true, somewhere maybe on the Internet, so it must be true, that uh, a dolphin's dick shoots semen out so fast that it'll fucking kill you. Uh, so please uh, take it from him and take it from me and take it secondhand from the Internet. It's hearsay. Uh, fucking dolphins is a dumb idea. Uh, hopefully anybody who fucks a dolphin uh, will use the rhythm method and pull out uh, before the dolphin comes. Because, you know, you really don't want to have a dolphin-human hybrid baby out of wedlock. And I don't think there's a, a country on Earth right now that will marry a dolphin and a human. So, uh, so really, uh, you know what? If you're going to have sex with dolphins, oral, frotage, uh, but no uh, full-on doing dolphins. Uh, a child just walked into the room, so I had to get very quiet. My child just walked into the room, um, which is why I got suddenly euphemistic there at the end. And he's looking at me through the glass. So we're going to have to wrap this podcast up, I think, before you know we do get to the necrophilia and the shit-eating questions. Uh, and there's some pecan pie out there waiting for me. Uh, this has been... Uh, Dan Savage and a Savage Love podcast. Thanks for downloading it. I, I guess the uh, at-risk youth who run the podcast for me tell me that shitloads of people are downloading this. Uh, so thank you, all you shitloads of people who downloading this. Uh, there's a phone number that you should call. What is it? 206. 206. 206-201-2720. 206-201-2720. If you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, if you're in Nigeria, uh, if you're in a dolphin tank, give me a call, and I'll be happy to uh, to intervene and help you out. Thanks again. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and be sure to come back for a very special Christmas podcast. God knows uh, what we'll do for that holiday.